Skip this chore and help the climate. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. A large-scale, rapid shakeup in transportation and how we produce food and electricity. That's what a new UN report warns is needed to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, according to the Paris Agreement. The report provides an overview of the difference between where greenhouse gas emissions are predicted to be in 2030 and where they should be to avert the worst impacts of climate change. Instead, the world is on track for a temperature rise of between 2.4 and 2.6 degrees Celsius by the end of this century. Greenhouse gas releases need to be cut by 45 percent, which seems nearly unreachable given that, since last year, countries cut only 1 percent off their projected emissions for 2030. The grim report comes as the climate conference COP27 begins next week in Egypt. The Colorado River Basin is facing the worst drought to hit the region in 1,200 years, which has been made worse by global warming. Major cuts in river water allocations to California, Arizona, and Nevada could be coming. Federal officials announced that they will complete an environmental review, which could include reducing releases from Glen Canyon Dam and Hoover Dam that form the two largest reservoirs in the U.S., Lake Mead and Lake Powell, and also generate power for millions in the West. Earlier this year, the Bureau of Reclamation had told the seven states that rely on the river, including Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, and New Mexico, to come up with a plan themselves to make the necessary reductions but that didn't happen. So now the feds will start the process to see how, in their words, they can protect the Colorado River system that supplies water to 40 million people and to farms that grow vegetables and fruits for much of the country. The Bureau of Reclamation will now open a comment period on three possible alternatives. One, the basin states, tribes, farmers, and cities come to an agreement to stabilize the two reservoirs. Two, the federal government unilaterally imposes restrictions. Or three, nothing is done. The agency could release a final plan in spring next year. It's fall, and the din of leaf blowers permeates neighborhoods as many dutifully collect leaves from their yards. But according to new research, the climate would be better served if we let leaves lie. Pierre Gunderson at the University of Copenhagen did the math and found that not only are leaves and other garden waste a boon for biodiversity and soil health, but can also store significant amounts of carbon. He calculated the different decomposition rates for leaves, twigs, and branches, and found that if Danes kept waste in their yards, they could store around 600,000 tons of CO2 annually. According to the EPA in 2018 in the U.S., about 10.5 million tons of yard trimmings ended up in landfills where, deprived of oxygen, they generated the potent greenhouse gas methane. Conversely, if left in the garden, leaves nourish beneficial organisms from fungi and bacteria to earthworms and roly-poly bugs. Those critters help break down the organic material and release nutrients into the soil, reducing the need for fertilizers. Those decomposers then act as important food sources for animals and birds while helping to create topsoil that has a good structure and retains water. But before you stow your rake, Know that when it comes to lawns, make sure to keep the layer of dead leaves 
thin to allow light to penetrate. You can chop them up with a lawnmower so they decompose more quickly, which will prevent weeds and improve drainage. Leaves are your all-in-one free mulch, fertilizer, and compost, saving you money and giving you permission to scratch a chore off your to-do list. And finally, speaking of scratching, imagine you're a fish, say a tuna, swimming in the middle of the ocean and you get an itch. You don't have hands and there's nothing nearby like a coral or a rock to scratch against. What do you do? You find a shark. According to a team of researchers studying pelagic wildlife, creatures that live in the open ocean, when fish need to remove parasites, dead skin, and other irritants, they find an apex predator. The scientists made the discovery by accident. They were using cameras drifting at sea to analyze fish population trends, but the footage revealed the surprising behavior. At first, they observed a huge yellow fin approach a silky shark and gently rub against its tail before swimming away. But it wasn't a one-off. Before long, another yellowfin used the shark's sandpaper-like skin as a scratching post. Eventually, they observed similar interactions between several fish and shark species in the Pacific, Indian, and Atlantic Oceans. And scratchers differed in their styles. Tuna were orderly, lining up behind a shark and taking turns to brush against the tail before returning to the back of the queue. Rainbow runners, a type of yellowtail, lacked any etiquette and darted past in schools to scrape their bodies. Shark numbers are declining worldwide, and the authors are concerned about the effect it will have on the health of fish populations. They recommend increasing the number of marine protected areas to make sure the relationship continues. That's it for this week in water thanks for listening and we'll see you next time